I want to talk today about a revelation, a principle. It is a basic principle in the Word of God that has been missed by the majority of the church. And it has cost them dearly because it is a pivotal point in our faith. This is about we've already been given the things that we need. This is something that until you begin to understand the cross, that people, and you hear me say this all the time, I'm never going to stop. I'm going to teach your kids and your grandkids these vital truths that we don't beg God. We don't bug God. We don't plead with God. Anytime you find that in the Old Testament, it is an old covenant thing that they did. We are new covenant people. And because we're new covenant people, we must pray according to the new covenant. So everything that you need on this planet has already been given. Everything you pray about that has to do with your daily sustenance, finances, relationships, peace, joy, emotional freedom, a healed heart, relationships restored, uh, health in your body, uh, finances, prosperity, the stopping of the enemy, the holding back of the forces of darkness. All of these answers, all of these things have already been given. You've got it. And until you get that, you will not pray effectively. You will not find peace in your mind because your mind and your emotions will look at every onslaught of the enemy, every storm, every uh, disease, every virus, every bug, every person, every emergency that rises up. You are going to go into this emotional, fearful, oh no, oh, not another problem. But when you recognize that this is an absolute crucial part of the process of faith and that you should be walking in everyday miracles, I refuse to, 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 to even harbor this notion that the day of miracles is over incredible quote-unquote theologians and people who think they've studied the word and and they, they just will say well you know when it comes to the miracles we need to recognize it was for the establishing of the church in the first century but it is not here for today that is such baloney and we've got to recognize that it has robbed the church it has stolen from us the miraculous flow of god's power his ability in your life for everything that you need is a done deal. It has already been given. You qualify. And here's what I want to dive in, and I want to show this to you in the Word, and I want to just flesh this out. And it is the hearing of this message that will give you faith in this area. And there are many of you listening to me that you have learned to can speak the Word, you've learned the different parts, and you're missing this issue right here. So when people say, why didn't God heal me? You don't get it. Why didn't God protect me? You don't get it. Why didn't God, you know, give me in the right direction and bless my fight? You don't get it. It's not waiting for God. It's a done deal. It's already been given from God's perspective. It's already been done. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everyone hath blessed 
past tense, done deal, finished 2,000 years ago. He looked ahead, saw you, and said, you are blessed with everything that you are. You have been blessed. Blessed. What does blessed mean? Blessed is not a little feeling. Blessed is not, God's got his arm around me. Blessed is happy, fortunate, and to be envied by the world. What do you mean? Well, the world's not envious of your little smile. They're not envious of you just grinning as you bear every storm and get destroyed by every onslaught. And, and as we just suffer for Jesus, everybody wants in. Come help me serve Jesus as we just, you know, we're the lowest of the low. We catch every disease. We're the poorest of the poor. We're beaten up by everybody around us. Hey, come serve Jesus with me. What a ridiculous concept. Yet that is what is, is driven out there, and we'll use different countries that have gone through horrible times as that's the pattern for us. No, it's not. No, it's not. I have prayed and worked with precious leaders from around the world in countries where they've given their lives for the cause of Christ. And we are in these countries, the Muslim world, the Russian world, these places, the China world, where people have given their lives. But just because the church went through some seasons there that were just brutal, we don't look at that and go, oh, that's the way we should all live. That's what we should believe for. Let's believe for persecution. The church thrives, you know, when the blood of the martyrs are flowing. I've heard all these comments. Listen to me. I know that we can stand through any storm. I know that in any country, in any place in the world, nothing will stomp out the church of Jesus Christ and who we are in Christ. And that as we stand up for him, you're gonna get persecution, absolutely. But to think we should start believing for it, that that is the pattern, then what are you gonna do with John 10, 10? Where it says there that Jesus said, I'm come that you could have life and more abundantly, superior in quality, innumerable in quantity. And yet we've got these brilliant people who say, well, well he doesn't really mean, he just means spiritually. Well, what does that mean? This whole physical world's made out of spirit. Jesus is not going, ah, well, I mean, you're going to have to stay sick, poor, downtrodden, abused, beat up. <laughs> but, but hey, I came to give you a great life. That's ridiculous. Yet religion has robbed the believer of this, this life that says everybody goes through storms. Come on. Every business goes through trials. Every marriage goes through stuff. Every body is going to be attacked by sickness and disease. Why do we take this and, and create these You have been blessed. Second Peter, it says this, chapter 1. Verses 1 to 4, it starts talking about God's grace and his knowledge and how as you go for the knowledge of this, that it multiplies the grace of God. But listen to verse 3. Let's zero in on this. According as his divine power hath given us. Hath given is past tense. It means he has already given us all things that pertain to life. Your life. What do you need? Some laughter? Already been given. What do you need? Some joy? Already been given. What do you need? Some health? Already been given. What do you need? Some prosperity? Already been given. What do you need? Some protection? Already been given. What do you need? Favor with your enemies? Already been given. What do you need? Already given. 
if we don't get this, we pray like a slave instead of a son. God is our boss and our ruler instead of our father in this relation. And so these people who pray like that, they pray these passionate, weepy, cry, attack the enemy, you know, scream at the devil, cry before God. What in the world? Such a tumultuous type of Christianity that the world looks at us and goes, I don't want what you've got. But yet we are supposed to, when we're blessed, the world is supposed to look at us and be envious of what they toil for and we get easily. In verse 4 of this chapter, it says, whereby are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these promises you escape that you might be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust well people they spiritualize that well what is the divine nature well, health is in heaven, joy is in heaven, peace is in heaven, protection is in heaven, rejoicing is in heaven, winning is in heaven, overcoming is in heaven, more than a conqueror is in heaven, and you've got it. Then it says, and how do you make that happen? Through the promises of God. Get up and start declaring the promises of God. If you're not speaking it out loud, it ain't working for you. I find two kinds of prayer. When I'm praying with my mouth closed, I'm talking to God, enjoying God, fellowshipping with God. We're sharing life together. We're giving to each other. We're communing with each other. But if I want things to change in this world, if I want spirit beings to obey me, for example, the enemy, fallen spirits, or if I want to mobilize the angelic force of God, angels obey the voice of his word, speaking his promises. And so this is what we need to be doing from a perspective of its mind. It's been given. I am an heir of an inheritance that has already been delivered by the courts of heaven. If you've ever been an heir in an inheritance, you don't get it till he dies. Now listen close to this again. I'm going to move on. Now last night I did a different message and doing a grouping about prayer. So I encourage you to listen to it. If you are listed as an heir, okay, with your father, you don't get it till your father dies. A will goes into place when there is a death. And until there is a death, if you want something from the estate that is not yours yet, you'll have to go ask him. You'll have to go beg your dad, bug your dad, plead with your dad. He's not dead yet. That's like people praying in the Old Testament. Beg, bug, plead, please. But once there's been a death and Jesus came and he died in our place upon that death, the courts of heaven declared a release of the inheritance. And the Bible says you are an heir. The Bible says you have inherited. It's already been given. It's been dispersed. It is yours. You don't have to sit over a grave weeping and praying where your dad is laid to rest and think that you have to ask him anymore. It's been delivered. It's been given. Now, Jesus rose again, so he's not dead. But you and I need to have this incredible thinking. It's been given. It's been done. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says it this way. Now, we did not receive the spirit of the world. 
but we receive the spirit that is from God. Now, what does the world do? Jesus often would say, the world is chasing money. The world is chasing health. The world is chasing glory. The world is chasing leadership and look at me and significance and all that. And he says, we don't have that. We receive the spirit of God and we can know all that God has freely given us. If I've given it to you, it's been yours. It's past tense. The language of the new covenant is continually and always whatever it is you need. It was in the will. And when Jesus died, it was freely given. Go learn to get what's already yours. This principle of the word of God is one of the places where believers fall flat on their face and they stumble in their prayer life because their faith goes out the window as you beg and bug and plead and cry with God. But when you know what has been freely given, when you know that there was a death, that at the death of Jesus, I was freely given all of this something changes in you. Now, 1 Peter 2.24 says it another way. You know, what's beautiful about the Bible is when someone has a doctrine, they'd better find it in two or three places minimum. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So someone will say, well, you know, I found a verse that doesn't agree with that. Well, go back to the Word and check it out, because it's not because you can figure out this verb in the Hebrew and this. No, where does the Bible teach at anywhere else? You can't grab one specific verse standing by itself. And that's why I love this. It just says over and over. Peter teaches it. Paul teaches it. Jesus teaches it. And it's in book after book after book. It's been given. You got it. So what's with the begging and the bugging and the pleading? Here it says this. Jesus bear our sins in his own body on the tree so that we could be dead to sins and we should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Not going to be, not one fine day. No, you were healed. So when you look at healing, until you get this revelation and you decide to recognize all through the word that what you pray for in this life it is done. It has been given. 2,000 years ago, there was a death, and in the will, your name was written because God saw in the eons of time ahead, in the decades, the centuries, the thousands of years ahead, he saw you serving him, and everything that you needed was written in that will, and it was given to you before you were even born, and here you are on the planet, and the good news we're trying to tell this world, the gospel, is that you were forgiven, you have a place in heaven if you'd like to believe on Christ, and by the way, everything you're ever going to need on this planet has already been given. It's a done deal. It says it repeatedly from book to book in the new covenant here within the New Testament. Now, in Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus is saying that when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. He's saying that even though you don't have it, you still believe you receive it. It is yours. It is in the will. It's not something you have to check out. You don't have to go before the courts of heaven and plead your case. Jesus did the work. He died. The inheritance has gone through. The courts of heaven have ruled and it's yours. 
no contesters. Although Satan will always contest the will, you can be assured that he has been defeated. He has no grounds to stand on. Now, this a second part I want to give you that I believe will excite you is to recognize that when you come and you begin to speak the word and prophesy over your future, your life, you need to do it with a sense of confidence. In Romans 8, 1, it says those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. They're not condemned. There's no punishment for their sins. I love the way the expanded Bible says this. Because Jesus took it. And you no longer have to bow your head and walk around because I didn't give enough. I had some bad thoughts. I, I was struggling with this. I, I did some problems over there. No, no. Your good works don't get you the miracle anyway. Now do the good works for your wife, your husband, your spouse, for the kingdom. Yes, you're created for good works. But don't you think for a moment that your good works, your good behavior, that you've got a graph that you measure your actions on, and only when you're this good can you qualify for a miracle. You nobody, me, I'm nobody when it comes to qualifications. It's a gift from God. And so this ability to be confident that God is working with me. You know, if all of a sudden a, a huge storm is coming at me and I know that God is on my side. Oh, but did I give my tithe on time? Oh, did I, but you know, I got angry at one of someone I shout. Oh, I said a four letter word. I better check. Is God still? Oh, I think God is gone. He's not behind me. Oh, no. What did I do wrong? Quick, quick, quick. Which sin cost me your presence? Oh, OK. Forgive me, Lord. Oh, he's still not here. Forgive me for this. I am fourth sin, five sin. Oh, there's sin number 13. Forgive Oh, oh, he came back. He's finally with me. This, this, this is the thinking of the church. Who can accuse you, Romans 8.33 says. Who can accuse you and bring an accusation against you? No one. Because God is the one who makes you right, it says in the expanded in Romans 8.33. He's the one that declares you righteous. Who is going to bring an accusation against you? Many of you don't realize this, and maybe you do. But when you pray or when you're in the middle of something, you struggle with your conscience. You struggle with, do I qualify? You struggle with, well, I had an abortion when I was younger. You know, I hurt that person when I was doing this financially. You know, I was involved in partying and things that were, I, I was involved in sick things, Leon. Like, if you knew my past, I just deserve this. Oh, shut up. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament was a murderer. He murdered Christians. And he just says, come boldly before the throne of God. You must deal with this conscience issue. Hebrews 9.9 9 says, which was a figure before for the time, then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Okay, this time. That could not make him that did not serve us perfect. Uh, let me just try to get, I don't have to explain all these other things. It says here that the sacrifice that Jesus made and the gifts that you have been given in this inheritance says it's as pertaining to the conscience. Okay, it's talking about the conscience here. Then you go on to verse 14. I'm out of time, which is why I'm rushing here. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? Purge it. It cleans out. 
It cleans out the guilt. It cleans out the condemnation. It cleans out the I'm not good enough. It cleans out how could God love me. It cleans out this low self-worth. It cleans out this really? It cleans out this shyness. You're not to be shy before God. Well, that's just my personality. No, it's not. That is a developed thing that you've got. When you come before God, I don't mean you come before him with a swagger as if, no. You come before him with such fear, meaning respect, but you come before him with confidence. I remember when I first came to Springs and Sal and I came with our four kids and then Zach was born the same year that we came to Springs and, and it, went, it went just crazy. The church just began to explode and grow and we never seemed to have enough staff, enough room. It, it, it just, it's always been wonderful. But in the middle of my crazy days when when I was the only pastor and people were trying to get in to see me. Every once in a while, I'd hear these little patter of feet running down the hall. And I would just say, would you excuse me a minute? And this one of my kids would come blasting into my office, hugging me and kissing me all over the face. And I just sat there. I almost teared up. I was being so loved on. And they confidently came into my office in the midst of all the life and death counseling, in the midst of divorce and adultery and people who lost loved ones and setting up funerals and planning weddings in this hallway. I could just hear the sound of this little patter of feet. Or it would be Sally just coming by. I just wanted to come by. Oh, hi. And I'm just getting they were confident that they could come in and see their dad. She could come in and see me. And, and, and this is what it's trying to tell you. That in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us feel very sure that we can come confidently and approach God's throne. There is a grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of condemnation. We boldly come to the throne of grace. And there, you're going to receive mercy not judgment. You're going to receive grace, God's ability and his favors, not his backing out and pulling away. Oh, when we boldly come into God's presence, that's what I mean. My children would come running down that hallway and you know what? The staff, if it was something really bad, they might kind of quieten them a little bit, but they wouldn't stop them. They came in with such confidence and it wasn't an arrogance. It was this confident joy. I'm going to see daddy. Hebrews 13, 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Please listen to me. You've already been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Come boldly when you pray. Pray with a sense of daddy has already given it to me. I, if I'm asking him for it, it's not even a concern that he'll say no. He's already said yes. He's already given it. So I can now enjoy my time with daddy. You know, my kids, when they come and hang out with me and Sal, they don't have to worry about, hey, we're just wondering, could I have this, could I have that? Because anything we've got, it's, got, it's got pretty tribal in a way. They just know, of course they could. And so our, the relationship isn't continually bugging me and begging me for something. They need the car. They need money. They need, can I borrow this? Can I have that? They just come into my, and we just laugh and love and enjoy. But most Christians, when they get with Father God, it's bugging, begging, pleading, praying. They got all these needs, all these issues. I'm going, what kind of relationship you got? When I pray and spend time with God, it's not going through my 13 list of things I want. Please, God. <laughs> 
No, when I'm with him, I want to get to know him. I want to know his word. I'm praying about his plan. What direction do you want me to go? How can I help you reach the rest of your family, the lost sheep? How can I do Oh, God, it's so good. What do you mean over here in the word? And, and how can I better do that for you over there? It's just a wonderful relationship. What a boring thing if all my prayer time is begging and bugging and pleading with God about my finances, begging and bugging and pleading with God about my health, begging and bugging and pleading with God about my relationships. Begging and bugging and pleading God about my health. Begging and bu <laughs> You get what I'm saying? What a boring relationship. But boy, I love being with God. Being, hanging out with Him as He loves me and tells me and shows me. And to know that He's directing me and helping me and proud of me. He believes in me. There's a confidence that I have because of what Jesus did on the cross. I have a gift of righteousness. Everything I've needed has already been given. What an amazing relationship. Maybe it's time to move in to what's already yours. Father, today, I pray that you would just touch every heart. That there would be such a sense of love and awe at your love for us. That everything we're doing, we would just not walk around condemned and beaten up and with low self-worth, but we would realize you treasure us, that you love us. And Father, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would do that right now. If you don't know this Jesus and you're listening to this message, did you know the message that you're listening to has begun to raise up a faith? on the inside of you. That's why you're going, I, I need this. It's God speaking to you. It's God prompting you. There's a hope that's rising up in you that, 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 that you need to act on right now. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I want to follow you the rest of my days. Thank you that I'm forgiven, that today I get a brand new start. I am born again now. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to his family. You thought it was hard, you come as you are, and he gives you the power to change.